Hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. We had a chance to hang out with Dustin Collins over Zoom video on this episode. Dustin was born and raised in Georgia, where he lived there until about 10, then he moved to Kentucky. His dad and mom were both musicians. His dad was a studio bass player and touring musician, and that's how he really got into music. Started playing guitar around 11 years old. Played in some bands through high school, ended up joining the military at 17. When he got back is when he really started to focus on his songwriting. He ended up getting a couple songs on the radio in Kentucky, which led him to move to Nashville to really pursue a career in songwriting. He talked about getting a job working for Tootsies and doing covers a bunch of nights a week. He had a manager at the time that basically told him, to give up was like oh you know this isn't for you so you should move home and figure it out so he ended up moving back to kentucky starting a band there and they really started to gain a huge fan base he talked about the huge success of the song cold dead hands and a hilarious story about billboard calling him up and telling him <laughs> about how it was number one he also talks about his record it's been a while and all about the new album he has coming out called working man and the incredible charity that he's donating some of the money to as well. You can watch the interview with Dustin on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on either Spotify or Apple Music, it would mean so much if you follow us there and hook us up with a five-star review as well. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Dustin Collins. Cool. Well, um, my name's Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about uh, the new record as well. Oh, awesome. Sweet. Thank um, you for having me on today. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, I did see, are, are you in Nashville, or are you from Nashville? No, I... Um... I'm in Kentucky, but um, I'm in Nashville frequently. Okay, so I'm all confused then. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm like I, I live like an hour and a half away from Nashville. Okay, I'm I'm south of Nashville, so that's why I was curious. Yeah, I'm, I'm about an hour and a half north. Right on. So, talk. Well, you, did you grow up in Kentucky then? Yeah, I, I, I've grown up in Kentucky my whole life. Um, so since I was probably about ten. Oh, okay. Where were you born? Uh, Villarica, Georgia. Okay. And you lived there till 10 and then you moved to Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about that time. What was it like uh, living in Georgia? I don't really even remember, you know, uh, really? it's, it's okay. so long ago. It's just like, uh, you know, it's, it's basically the same thing as Kentucky with more pine trees. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When did you get into music? Were you into music prior to moving to Kentucky? No, I, uh, I started playing, I think I was 11 or 12. Okay. And, um, that's when I started play, playing the guitar and I didn't really start singing until I was probably 25. Really? Yeah. So the, the singing was a new development because I was writing songs and um, nobody wanted to sing any of my songs. So I had to sing them myself. <laughs> okay. Well, what drew you to guitar at 11 years old? My dad played and uh, my mom played. Oh, that's awesome. Like just as hobbies or professionally or? Uh, my dad played professionally. My mom, uh, more ho hobby. Really? And, uh, that's that's kind of how I got started in music to begin with. Was through your parents? Yeah. 
Okay. And dad was a songwriter or is he a touring musician or? Uh, to, he was a touring studio bass player. Really? Yeah. For a long time. And uh, uh, they didn't, uh, didn't really do anything super big or anything, but I was always into it. And they, you know, uh, they did one Nashville album and uh, believe it or not, they never even released it. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I, I told him, uh, that um, now with the modern, uh, you know, all the DSPs and stuff you can go on, you don't really need a record level to release stuff. I, I told him I was going to put him on uh, Spotify. You should. That'd be so yeah. awesome. Do you, does he have the record? Does he have like recordings of it? Well, we've got the CD. So it was like, a, it, it's kind of a process of burning the CD and then like converting all those files to WAV files. Oh, okay. So there's a whole lot more um uh, a few more steps hearing on this than I thought <laughs> when I originally said I was going to do it. That's cool. I'm sure he would be so stoked to see that. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought it'd be like cool for for his birthday or something. Yeah, you're like just send him a link <laughs> for his birthday. He's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and it's his record on Spotify. That'd be awesome. I think my mom would like it better. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember seeing him like perform or anything like that as a kid? Oh yeah, man! I, I basically grew up in a in a recording studio. Wow! I mean, they were always there, and, and I mean, they couldn't really get rid of us. So we kind of snatched us in there, and we brought some toys and stuff in. They'd go back in the sound booth, and they'd leave us in the like the little kitchen area to to hang out. That's funny. That's awesome. Well, it, I, I, I've said this a few times in this podcast, but like sometimes you'll talk to people that's parents are musical, and then they want no interest in it, right? Or their 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 a parent and their kids want nothing to do with what they do. But the fact that your dad was into that, and you actually and you were into it as well, that's really cool. Well, he had no. He didn't want me to do this. That's for sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted you have a backup plan. Yeah, it was like get a real job. <laughs> and then, then after, I guess he uh, just kind of figured I wasn't going to do that. Right. He was like, man, go to Nashville and, and figure it out for yourself. And um, that's that's kind of where I started was because um, I didn't really have no interest in doing it until everybody told me not to. Oh, OK. <laughs> so of course. I, I right. Well, <laughs> everybody's like, oh, you're going to do that. That's that's dumb. I was like, no. You know what? I wasn't going to do it, but now I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I want to back up a little bit here. So 11, you pick up the guitar. Mom and dad play guitar. Did they teach you how to play guitar as well? Um, uh, dad wrote, uh, he took a piece of notebook paper and he like kind of made some lines and some dots with like frets. And he was like, go like learn some tab. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I was more of a chord chart. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. He, so he, he sent me back in my room and was like, learn these. And then, uh, you learn these, I'll teach you three more. <laughs> oh, okay. So he was, so, he, he helped you, but he wasn't like kind of forcing it on you or making you sit in front of him, like learn lessons or anything like that. No. And I, I think, uh, you know, the way I learned how to play guitar is, is it wasn't very technical, but I've developed my own strumming pattern. The, the way I play and it's helped me write songs because nobody else plays like me. Cause I kind of taught myself <laughs> as much as, you know, I learned, I learned all the, the tabs and, and uh, you know, charts and all that stuff later. But uh, growing up, I didn't know any, anything about any of that stuff. I just learned how to play. That's cool. I, I have, I'm not good at guitar. I can play chords and that's about it. 
Uh, but I same, I was self-taught and my neighbor played and I still to this day will hold the pick with my middle finger. And like, I didn't realize I was holding it wrong. Cause you're, I guess you're supposed to hold your, 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 uh, pointer finger in your thumb. And I was playing yeah, with my middle finger. My thumb. Weird too. So it's like, I, I kind of hold it like from the oh, bottom. Grip it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was doing this and it took me like, literally, I just learned this, like, I don't know, three or four years ago. Somebody's like, you play guitar with the wrong hand. <laughs> like your fingers are on the wrong pick. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you're supposed to play like this. <laughs> oh, whoops. Well, that was 15 plus years down the drain, I guess. Yeah, then you, you, you'll never figure out how to do it with the other finger now. <laughs> no, I tried, and it's like nearly impossible for me. But yes. I'm not good well, enough, and I don't do it professionally, so it doesn't really matter. But it's just one of those things I'm like, oh, I guess that would be something I'd learn. Because my son's learning guitar now, and like he's playing, and he's learning all the you know scales and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know how to do any of that. <laughs> I had to learn that uh, much later. and it, I think it was harder for my for grown-up Dustin to learn how to do all that. <laughs> Uh, my my brain was already set and was like, I know how to play guitar. I don't need to know all this crap. But yeah, you, right. you, if you want to do a, do this for a living, you have to know that crap. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, so you uh, go, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah it's just uh, you know, it's hard. I think it's hard for anybody to learn anything new after they've done it a certain way for so long. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. Uh, well, you so you learn guitar. Dad's kind of helping you learn, and then are you playing in bands or anything? Or how quickly do you start trying to write music yourself? Well, I played in some bands in high school, and I don't know if you can call it bands or, or not because it was it was terrible. <laughs> we were gonna start somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, we uh, we I think we played up at the pool hall in uh, Bardstown, Kentucky, and um, I think like four people showed up. And the pool hall guy was like, can y'all uh, just turn this down and stop by 10? <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh. And uh, yeah, the ba- the bands were- weren't good until I was probably in my 20s. And that's when I really started writing my own music, um, trying trying to pursue a songwriting career. And what, what was, you said uh, people told you you couldn't do it. And that was part of the reason why you were like, I'm going to do it. But like, how did that all start? Like, what made you decide to like really pursue writing music yourself and making this a, a life? Well, I had, I had moved to Nashville. Um, oh, you did. Okay. And um, I had a manager and I, I mean, I, it was, I was half in half out at this point. And uh, we, we were looking for a publishing deal because I had, had wrote like three or four songs. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't nothing serious. It, I had got a, a couple of them on the radio up in uh, Kentucky. I had oh, local. wow. And I was like, okay, well, we'll take us down there. And um, we pitched and, and talked to everybody. And my manager was like, listen, kid, he said, you don't sing very good. <laughs> you have no fan base. And uh, your songs are weak. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do we, real quick on the two songs that you had a couple songs at the radio. Is that like on a local station? Like what? And yeah, what? that's just lo- local, local radio play. Just but you local. play, but it was your songs and, and you singing and everything. Yeah. Or you said, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I had cut uh, some demos in my buddy's garage. Okay. And, uh, like this wasn't a serious project like that. We had no intent. It was just for fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and then, then how did they land on the radio? Were you just sending them into the stations? 
I think I, I posted on like Facebook or, or, or something like that, just a video or something. And um, uh, Eddie Ray, one of the local DJs up here at Q1031 was like, you got to get your band to come down here and play for our Q1031 showcase. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, I don't have a band. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we had to throw together this band and go play this show. And um, it w- went pretty well because, I mean, all the guys were actually, you know, good musicians and they showed up and learned, learned everything. And, uh, that's kind of when I was like, yeah, maybe we ought to give this a shot. And that's when I moved to Nashville and I, I kind of worked at uh, Tootsie's for a while. Um, Oh really? As just a musician there? Yeah. I, I was doing the, the, the cover song circuit there mm-hmm. in the mornings with the acoustic guitar. That's cool. But, that's that's a hard place I would imagine to get into. Uh, yeah, they have. The, they used to have auditions. I don't know if they still do. It was auditions on Sundays, and you go in there and you play like one and a half songs, and they they'd say, "All right, we'll call you in the morning if, if we're going to hire you." Really? And they'd call you at six o'clock or yeah, six o'clock in the morning until they divvy out everybody's shifts on uh you know where where you're supposed to go play for the day, and uh you know if you don't do good, you get bumped, <laughs> and, and it'll be like two or three days before they'll call you to get one. Um, I, so I didn't they to... call you like every morning. So like it's like a substitute teacher, like at 6 a.m. They're like, okay, we need you at uh, yeah, blah, you, blah, and blah. you had to be awake to catch that phone call because if you didn't, you didn't get to work that day. <laughs> and well, because they own what a bunch of bars down there, or book a bunch of bars down there. How does that work? Yeah, like Honky Tonk Central, uh, Tootsie's yeah. and Rippies. Okay, and so I, they. I, I, I'm not sure they may own a whole bunch now. I've, it's been a long time since I've been down there. Right. But that's interesting. So what you had to learn, because they've got like a, I'm sure a list of 200 plus songs that you're supposed to know and play. Yeah, you're supposed to know them. But uh, I had like a whole list of other songs I knew. <laughs> so I, I just played those and and would only like, if one of the bosses were there, I'd, you know, kind of hope for the request deal and just pull it up on your phone and and do it that way. Okay. Wow. So went so from the radio station thing, you decided that was when you're like, okay, let's let's, you know, take a shot at this. And then you moved to Nashville. And then the, the to try to get into the scene there, that's when you decided let's try to audition at Tootsies. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously and then, you get it. That's that's yeah, got, huge in itself. Yeah, but that that was basically like my job. Like that's what I thought about as my job. And then I I had this other guy that was help. I don't know if you'd call him a manager. He was, that's what I thought of at the time. He was helping me managing what I was trying to do. And he finally told me, he's like, man, you need to go back home, learn how to sing and uh, build a fan base. And then he said, if, if you can do that, he said, then come back to Nashville. He said, um, probably don't just come down here with um, pipe dreams and, and nothing. Wow. And, you, and I, well, real quick, you said you didn't start singing until you're 25. What changed? Is that when you started the band that got on the radio? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was that. Um, I had started singing, and people were just like, "You're not very good at it." <laughs> wow. And I, I wasn't. I uh, I listened back to some of my earlier recordings and stuff, like some of those demos and stuff, and I'm like, "Man, this is terrible stuff." And cool. um, I'm sure everyone's, you know, we have a similar path to that. They don't just walk out and are crazy i mean maybe some people but like most i would think well, just crush it right out the gate natural vocal ability I'm, i don't understand that because i had to work uh, uh extra hard to um 
to get where I'm at, you know, singing. And, and I, I mean, I worked my tail off for it. There was times that um, w- when we got more serious into it, um, when I did go back home, when we put a, put together a band and we started playing every single night of the week. Wow. And that's play- after your manager told you to head to, head out. Yeah. He told me, I just, you know, basically give up. <laughs> and um, I was so like, you go no. real quick. Yeah. So you go home and then that's when you tell me, you get this news, this guy tells you that, and then you're like, okay, well, let's, I guess I should just take off and then tell me what happens next. I went back home. Uh, I, I got a job working at a prison. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It, Doing it was, what? It was terrible. <laughs> it sounds terrible. I was doing, I was a corrections officer. Oh, so you had to like walk around the jail and everything. Yeah, dude. And it, it, it lasted for like, I think three months. I, I stayed there and I was like, I do not want to do this job. That would be and so scary. That was, that wasn't as scary as much. I like, I did not want to be a, a grown up babysitter. Oh, that's a good point. Like, yeah. Like, a top 10 arguments that happened in that place uh, was like over the microwave. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not dealing with this I, I, what people not clearing the numbers or something or no just like who gets to use it at what time oh okay <laughs> like you had to make out a microwave schedule on who got to use the microwave so nobody like beat anybody up or anything oh my gosh that's that's interesting it's a terrible job like i don't <laughs> especially for creatives and, and folks that like to play music like that's it's the opposite of where we want to work Okay. So you're working there and then are you also trying to form a band? Yeah, I started playing um I started playing with a buddy of mine I went to school with and uh he w- he was, you know, just messing around town. Mm-hmm. And that led into, you know, the search for the band and, and putting that together and you know, it almost took a year to get the right folks together to to even play in a band. And uh, after that, man, we started playing every single night. And I just kind of gave up work and was living off like the $200 a week. That oh, I was, wow. Yeah. Yeah. From playing music because uh, there wasn't a whole lot of, but there was always food, you know, you could always eat at the bar or whatever. Mm-hmm. They called and stuff. So we, we didn't starve to death, but I think three of us uh, were living together uh, for, for a good long while. We, we all lived together and split rent and utilities and, and just stayed after this music stuff. And eventually we, we hooked up with this um, promoter in Lexington, Kentucky, and he had a bunch of out of state gigs. And that's when he started uh, sending us out, out, out on the road. And it was mostly cover band stuff and not a lot of opportunity to play anything that I wrote. Okay. And um, that's when I started working on my very, my very first record. Um, and really dived into songwriting and, and read a whole lot and, and tried to figure out why my songs were not coming out the way I wanted them to. And ended up, um, we ended up with the She Does album, mm-hmm. um, which was the very first record we ever put out. That was the EP you did? Or yeah. Was it was, like 2016 or am I, or was it before that? That's before that. This, this was, this was 2004. 14 oh, okay so 2014 yeah it, it, if you if anybody goes to check that out uh kid gloves it was my it was my first first project and, and we were 
released it independently and okay and it was really the first time that we done anything and got out there and, and started playing our own music and then some of the people like some of the songs and kind of established us as you know a band that could go out and do cover cover music and did our own stuff mm -hmm. so i've a little bit better gig spots and a lot more friday night and saturday night spots because people were actually showing up to you know because when you're doing original music you're playing stuff that nobody haven't heard right nobody else can hear it unless they come to your show mm -hmm. So I, uh, that's the the biggest part of how I got to here was through through all that journey of craziness. And then eventually, obviously, you start building a fan base. And then what? You go back to Nashville and and call that guy, or just never never get reconnected. Oh, that apparently I I didn't know this, but uh, years later that that guy had died. Oh my god! <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Guess yeah. you didn't need to reconnect. Yeah, there was no need to like, like, hey, dude, what's up? I mean, if I tried to get a hold of him, and it was like, oh yeah, he, he's dead. Oh, Yikes! Man. Dang. Yeah. So, I, I ended up we put we put out a I think stay gone and all that stuff on that record. Um, mm -hmm. and we we got contacted by a publisher here in Nashville or in Nashville, and and they said, can you can you come in and do a co-write? Mm -hmm. And uh, I came down and we did, I think, a three or four song deal there where I did three or four songs with them. And, and that's what got me into the music business and was like, OK, this is how it's really done. OK, what I needed to do from there. And uh, so I ended up with another producer. I'd met Bill McDermott um, through uh, the publishing company. Mm hmm. And Bill was like, man, I'll give you a good deal. Come on in. He said, let's, let's get in the studio. He said, what do you got? And we did, a, I think, a three-song demo that turned into the uh, It's Been a While EP. Okay, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, so, and, and that's when we did, we did uh, Texas Was You, Cold Dead Hands and Pieces. Mm -hmm. And we had did Cold Dead Hands, which is the, the Second Amendment song, and I had thrown up a, a video of me doing it acoustically and I think it got 700 something thousand views. Whoa. Like we got to record this song. <laughs> yeah. It's just so, like, like people just, it just went viral online. Yeah. I just, just went, went through the roof. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, man, it was, it was wild. And I, we ended up uh, releasing the song and I got a call from my NRA country. Mm-hmm. I thought was super weird because I'm like, how do these people know me? And, and I didn't really realize that on at the time that Facebook, you, when that many people see stuff, you know, it, I didn't understand what viral was at that mm -hmm. particular point in time. I think we were early 2017, 2016 when we first did cold dead hands. So we were still two years away from record deal and putting, putting that album out. Oh, okay. And uh, I ended up with a uh, another guy that was helping me in Nashville, Joe Patrick, and um, he, he was awesome, man. Uh, he's a great, great guy. He he since passed as well, as well. And uh, a lot of a lot of older fellers that really liked my music. Um, and we we took it and uh, got contacted by the NRA. Um, country division, and they they had started in Nashville, and they put me out. Um, at their national convention 
and also included it in their publication, which I think is got like eight million gun owners. And of course, the song's uh, "Cold Dead Hands" is about you know gun ownership and the Second right. Amendment. And when we put it out for sale, it went ridiculous. And this is true, a truest story I've got. It's funny. I get this weird phone number that calls me and I was like, who is this? And I answered it and I was like, who is this? And they was like, this is Alex from billboard magazine. And I just hung up on him. <laughs> in my living room. I just hung up on him. I was like, somebody's screwing with me. They called back and I answered. I was like, all right, who is this for real? And he's like, this is Alex from billboard magazine. And he said, is this Dustin Collins? I said, yes. He said, Cold Dead Hands is number one on our hot single sales chart. And I literally just said, you're shitting me. <laughs> and, and he said, no, sir. And I was like, well, what's that mean? And he was like, well, you guys sold X amount of copies and this is where it's at. And there I was like sitting in my, uh, my double wide trailer in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. And I was like, I got number one record right now. <laughs> That's so awesome. And I was like, I got a show tonight at the county line up here. There's going to be about 79 people there, and we're going to rock this number one song out. That's so amazing, though. Did you and get I, any backlash from that? Or not from Billboard, but oh, from people? Because obviously NRA is kind of a, a touchy subject in certain areas. Were people hating on you at all? I immediately called a publicist. Oh, good call. <laughs> Bubble system was like, uh, because I was getting some uh, interview requests and I had already done one with like Brett Bart. <laughs> and I said some silly crap that made me sound like a hillbilly. Uh, okay. Uh, I got to walk this back a little bit because I, I was like talking about tea and biscuits and it, it was, it was ridiculous and it got printed. So, um, <laughs> I, had, I had to call Scott in uh, my bubble system was like, look man you gotta save me from myself <laughs> and he said he said we, we, we got you he said there, this is a great song he says great message he said there's no reason to mess any of this up and uh he's like i got you from here and he, he's he's been great ever since that's amazing uh, he saved me from uh probably screwing it all up before it ever started <laughs> yeah because well, you know it is a temperamental subject and and a lot of people don't like it but you know, that's what good music is. It challenges people's mm -hmm. opinion. If you don't like it, you, you don't have to listen to it. Right, exactly. I completely agree with you. And with that, like, I mean, from there, obviously you have a lot of eyes on you and then you put out your next record. It's been a while. And what was, you know, how did that album react? And like, what was your kind of takeaway from that record? I couldn't believe how many people like complimented that album. And then just because where I was, where, um, uh, I started feeling growth as a musician and as a person um, really, you know, j just to hear all these people that before wouldn't even speak to me or, or about music. They'd be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. You know, mm -hmm. you, you just kind of get that national. You'll, you'll get the, if you're not doing anything, you just kind of get washed under the rug. No, nobody really wants to fool with you or, or, or talk with you. Mm -hmm. And until they do. And it's, it's kind of a weird transition point that, uh, that just happens and you don't even quite know that it happened. Mm -hmm. So you're, all of a sudden you're, you're going from just playing your gigs and 
hanging out by yourself, you know, on a, on a Tuesday night to, to all of a sudden you're, you're getting invited to writer's nights and hanging out with some cool people and, and learning how to write songs. And it just kind of happens all of a sudden. And I don't even re really remember when it happened that I was now involved in Nashville um, more so than I was ever the first time I moved there. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought it was really cool with that album to see, um, see all of that come together. Mm -hmm. Did you get some, I mean, I'm just looking at your, your stuff and you've, you've toured with a lot of huge artists. Was that all around that same time as well? Or is that earlier due to like, I mean, Clay Walker is one that shoots out to me just cause he lives here in town and actually <laughs> he goes to my church and it's just weird to see <laughs> his name or it's cool to see his name on there, but it's like, it's, he's such a, he's a huge artist, right? Oh yeah, man. Clay, Clay was super awesome. He, uh, that was actually, uh, uh, probably a few months ago. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that wasn't that long ago. Um, but like, yeah, during, during that time we were doing a lot of opening, um, mm -hmm. A lot of stuff for some radio stations, a lot of stuff for uh, some of the big chain bars. We, and, and that got us into anytime they brought an, a, a national act in, they'd have to call somebody to open. And uh, generally in Louisville and Cincinnati and Lexington, we'd get those spots. That's amazing. And, uh, Aaron Watson, uh, they were kind enough to actually take us out on the road, as well as Tanya Tucker, mm -hmm. which those were the biggest learning experiences I've ever had as a musician, just seeing these guys are at the top of the game and this is what it's really like. Mm -hmm. And um, there's no room for mistakes, you know, because I mean, if people, your fans, the people that care about you and that listen to your music, you know, if you can't go out and, and deliver to them what they paid for, mm -hmm. you're just not doing your job and you're not going to have fans that long because, you know, that you got to respect their hard earned money that they're, you know, mm -hmm. paying out go see you uh, mm -hmm. they're the reason you have a job and if you go out there and suck or you're not you know, pulling your weight you know that's just you're letting yourself down as well as the people that that took their time out and to follow you and come to your shows mm -hmm. and uh watching these guys perform there was no air in their sets you know they every night they would play the same set they would start at this time end at this time and it was perfect you know, like the, the, clockwork because they yeah they just yeah if you're i mean obviously you have to be if you're at that level it's no it's the reason why you have the fans right and and the songs is because you're disciplined yeah. and, and it showed uh, us as the opening band who didn't know what we were doing we were going out there just you know heck yeah rocking and roll and I <laughs> every night i didn't know what we were doing i had no idea how to sell merch i had i had no touring experience other than playing in like bars mm -hmm. now, now we've gone from, uh, you know, the local hundred, hundred seat bar over here to, um, you know, a place like Coyote, Coyote Joe's that seats 3,500. That's amazing. You're like, Holy crap. And then, you know, even from that time to now, I'm still continuously learning. Cause you, you know, you go from a, a venue like that to where you're opening for somebody like Tanya, you know, there's, 11, 12,000 seats mm -hmm. sold out. Right. And that, that gets, you always want to, you know, I feel like we've grown each step of the way into what we're doing now. And we've been given time or, or forced into taking time to develop into that next spot. 
mm-hmm. because, um, you know, if, if you get out there and you're not ready for something, um, you might not get another chance to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love to hear that because I think, I mean, as a, when I was growing up as a kid, I would just assume like, Oh, like, you know, these rock stars just get, you know, they get wasted backstage and it's party and party. And then they just come out and just kind of wing it. And it's always awesome. And it's like, no, that's nothing like what is happening. It's like, you guys are like, you know, if you looked at an athlete, the, the people that are training and training and training and training and training every day to, to play those games and play that sort of, you know, with that many people on you and everything else. Like, I think it, it kind of gets muddy there with like, if you think about like the Motley Cruz of the world, right? Yeah, and I'm sure that a lot of things have changed since uh, <laughs> since the eighties. Right, but it's like dude, that's kind of the mindset that I had as a kid growing up. I'm like, whoa, like these guys, they're they don't even like care. They're just like getting messed up, and then they just get to come out and rock. I w- I want to know if Alan Jackson partied like backstage. Was <laughs> <laughs> he back there just like pounding Miller lights back in the early nineties? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe one day I'll get to meet him and ask him, like, hey, <laughs> what were you guys really doing on the chat? <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's just like, I think it's just some, it's, it's awesome to hear. And I've heard, you know, that you, you, you see these people on the road and it's just, they are, I mean, it's their job. It's super serious. And that's why it's so good. Well, too, man, I, I can attest with this being out on the road like, you know, when I was younger, you, you know, we'd, we'd go out to the bar after the show or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and now, like on show nights, I mean, this was awful. But, uh, you know, I, after we get done with the show and everybody's gone home and, and uh, we've done met, met and hung out with the fans and stuff like that, I'm so ready to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't want to hear the radio. I don't want to hear nothing when I get, I get in the van or the car or where, whatever we're in. I just... I want silence for like at least two hours and I want to go to sleep. I just totally decompress. <laughs> Especially the bigger shows, like the ones with clay and the, the, the bigger shows that we've, we've done. I'm like, man, that's a lot of things to take in. Like, mm-hmm. it, and yeah. there's so many people like that, that want to talk to you. And you know, I'm like, I have, cause I'm kind of naturally a shy dude other than the, you know, the music stuff mm-hmm. kind of, to myself and um it's really weird to, to go out and, and and people that actually want to talk to me about my music and i'm like oh that's cool you want to talk about my music but i, I always the, the the point of being a fan of somebody's always kind of been strange to me that that people seek out people to go talk to uh it, i don't know I, I always considered myself just some dude with a guitar that's singing <laughs> and not um the whole celebrity aspect of these shows and stuff of uh, just the mayhem that ensues at some of these places. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, like play Walker was outstanding. That's one of the best shows I've ever witnessed. Really? That's, that's <laughs> awesome. It was killer. And, and just sitting there in the front row after our set, I was like, Holy crap. These guys are the real deal. Mm-hmm. He's one of the sweetest dudes ever too. He's so nice. Like beyond uh, he, nice. He was super nice to us. Um, they greeted us and stuff. And, you know, a lot of times the the closing act doesn't do that. <laughs> right. You know, they usually don't. I mean, they don't have to. Right. They're they're the reason why probably the majority of the people are there. And yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's and so, so some of them, you know, you can't even get a picture with. So that's uh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna throw any names out, right? There, but, but there's some of them that don't even want to meet you, and you're like, oh, that's kind of screwed up. But oh well. <laughs> yeah. But oh, like well. play, play was super awesome. Tanya was super awesome. That's I love cool. her. She, she is something else. That's amazing. Well, I want to talk to you real quick about your your record, Working Man. Ah, it's my uh, it's been my long haul project, man. Uh, been working on it for about a year and a half, almost two years. Uh, Did it start after lockdown happened. I started it before lockdown because uh, we were, you know, we were doing really well off. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, it charted somewhere like number twenty five on the country music independent, and uh, That's huge. Like 23 on the overall chart uh-huh and uh we we were on a roll i think we, we had played our first headlining arena show uh it was a small arena it was for a, a major rodeo and they, they hired us as a headliner so we were we were kicking tail getting you know getting on it and staying on the road and then i think we had like 74 shows already booked uh in Whoa. 20 and I remember uh, March 15th was the last show we played, and it was for uh, the SEC uh, tournament in Nashville. And we played an event, like it's like called the Kentucky Takeover Show, and it was a bunch of Kentucky bands that were down there playing. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that that was going to be the last time we stepped on stage for a year and a half. That's crazy. And that Monday, I think the 15th was Wednesday, that Monday, my entire schedule was canceled so i was like damn it yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean what a heart-wrenching yeah thing not only is there a pandemic but it's like and my whole year of shows or whatever is all gone it's like this is like now uh now i'm gonna also not play shows but have to live in poverty (laughs) (laughs) on the prison (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I actually am kidding. Buddies. All my buddies back here were, were real cool and off. <laughs> go do some, you know, they needed some general labor. And I, I busted, busted my back there for a little while, and, <laughs> which is good for me because I, I think that's uh, being back home during that time and, and having to go to work and having to do these things that, that I haven't done because I've been wrapped up in the music um, mm-hmm. really got me in a, in a mood to write. Uh, what's come to be this album and oh interesting well now the title makes sense to me yeah <laughs> that, that, that was kind of our whole thought behind it was yeah uh, and the song working man on there it's you know i wanted to do something uh, as a tribute to these guys that get up every day and, and and at five o'clock in the morning and you know they they spend their whole lives you know trying to make other people's lives better the farmer mm-hmm. the truckers the guys that are, you know, you, you, some people don't even appreciate the guys that are out there on the roof after a hailstorm. You know, these mm-hmm. guys, your house don't leak. And that's kind of what I wrote that song. Well, not kind of, it is what I wrote that song about. And um, it kind of led into the rest of my album about kind of, I wanted to do something way more mature. I didn't want to make any political statements. I wanted to tell the story of my life through this record. And I think, that after I finished it, um, I, I think personally that that I accomplished what I set out to with writing it. 
mm-hmm. and all the people that wrote with me or wrote songs on this that they got selected, you know, that we picked because those were songs that I loved that, you know, told, uh, told a part of my story that I either couldn't or never even thought about that way. So there's yeah, there's songs like Georgia that are on there that I, I connected with immediately and like right now who Brett Eldridge wrote. And um, you know, that's a heart heartbreak song and I've I've done some heartbreaking and, and had mine crushed a few times. So mm-hmm. it's um kind of right in there with that whole song. So I, I really wanted this to be a grown up grown up album. And uh bringing in Buddy Cannon to produce a couple of the tracks was you know <laughs> huge right <laughs> the, the record is done than yeah <laughs> How does it better than that and you brought uh bill mcdermott back too right oh yeah bill yeah bill co- co-produced and uh um we we just ended up with something that i'm over the moon to have and and i've listened to it maybe nine thousand times since i got finished <laughs> and i'm still not tired of playing the songs on it that's amazing. I feel like if, if, if you're going to have an album, you, you better love all the songs because you're going to play nothing but these songs for the next you know year and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, and you have, uh, you're donating stuff to a great cause as well, right? Uh, yeah. Dummy Camp USA. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I joined the military when I was 17. I wasn't a combat MOS or anything. I'm a mechanic. Oh, I didn't but realize I, that. So you were doing that also before you started doing the music thing. Yeah, that was that was the the seventeen to seventeen to twenty twenties years. Okay, 20s. And um, so Gummy Camp came about. Uh, my manager Mike Kraske, uh was consulting these guys, and I was reading about him, and I was like, "Who are these guys?" And he told me he said they are helping the worst veterans with mental illnesses and putting them up in a. They, you know, they got billet, billeting was the military term for it, uh, or or small, you know, tiny houses, basically giving them a place to live and get off the street, and also giving them the training to get, you know, their VA medical benefits or or their or whatever help they need to get back into society. And then you see a lot with vet, veterans charities that you know a lot of the money that gets donated doesn't actually go to the veterans. And this is something that I, I could, you know, feel like I would like to be a part of because you can physically see what they're doing for these people. Mm-hmm. I think that if you, you can spread that all over the country, you know, it's going to make it's going to make us a better place for taking care of those guys. I love that. And I love that you're you're donating uh, part of the record and the single, right? The song. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, yes. The, I, the, I think, uh, the single, the single we're, we're the lead single or what we're donating out. We're also going to be doing some charity shows for them this yeah. year where we come out and, uh, try to raise money for them. And, and, uh, cause I, I think there's different States that they're wanting to, uh, open up some more camps. Mm-hmm. And, um, so what we, we've been talking about doing those shows and in those areas to try to raise the money to get the, get the camps at least started or the property paid for or, or whatever they're needing to move that project forward. That's amazing. That's really amazing. And I appreciate your time, Justin. This has been so great. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Man, thank you for having me. Yeah. One more quick question before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Don't quit.
I like that's that. The only, that's, that's the only advice I can have is, is if you love it, don't quit. <laughs> <laughs>